0: Good morning, hope you all had a good week, greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Wow, a lot has happened since the last time I shared with you. If you recall, the last time I shared was, I believe, the first Sunday of January, do you remember what I shared on? It is hard to get a response from an empty church building. But if you remember, I spoke on having a 2020 vision. And this morning I would like to think a little more on what Jesus had to say about focus. And what we should have. My title this morning is Put Your Hand to the Plow. As you can see by this picture I have here, it's a picture of a man working hard, plowing with some oxen. Put your hand to the plow. Also, I remember Arnie speaking a message on this some time back and he had a picture sitting up here of a plow and a team of horses that I think he had drawn and uh, it would be interesting to know how many of you remember that one as well. I remembered very well and I don't know if if it was so much I mean, I remember parts of the message, but I also, the picture is what really helped me to remember. And so I went digging for that, and I found it back in the archives. And it would appear that that was preached on February 2012. And uh, so I think it's it's, uh, time to think about putting our hand to the plow. It's also springtime. I had... Saw uh, pictures of families a few weeks back on, uh, oh, uh, WhatsApp status updates or whatever you want to call it. And uh, families from our church that were out planting in their garden. Working as a family, getting ready to plant the seed, anticipating uh, a good summer, anticipating the right amount of. Rain, anticipating the right amount of heat, and then ultimately anticipating a harvest. Also, in those pictures, I noticed that there was a lot of effort at working the soil, getting it ready for the seed. We also took advantage of this nice weather and we planted our garden, or I should say maybe Christy planted the garden, I tilled it uh, one time anyway, and I didn't do it with a plow. I did it with a uh, gas-powered rototiller, and all I had to do was walk behind and let the tiller do the, the churning of the dirt. In order to plant, there needs to be a working of the soil. It must take place. Today, the plow is not... or Today, the plow may not be as common of a of a tool as what it was longer ago, but a plow was very essential and important to uh, civilization, uh, the farming uh, industry, um, down through the centuries. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, where we have the account of Jesus referring to the plow. I want to read a little, a few more verses uh, prior to that, that kind of give us a little bit of context. So Luke chapter 9, v- verses 57, I'm going to start, and we'll read to the end of that chapter. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying here? Seems that he could almost have been discouraging those that wanted to follow him by his response. We have in this account three different men. It appears that the first man voluntarily offered to follow Jesus. He says, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Did he truly Want to follow Jesus? Jesus replies to him and says, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nest, but I, Jesus, have nowhere, no place to lay my head. Nature was having it better than what Jesus was. What is Jesus saying? Is he saying that if we follow him, we won't have a place to sleep? Was this a test to see if this disciple was truly dedicated to what he said he would do at following Jesus? I know Jesus probably could see. I know he could see into that man's heart. Was this man's intent to follow Jesus for the wrong reason? Was he after the free food and the health benefits that were involved? I think Jesus is saying that it's not going to be an easy road. If you follow me, you are going to have to dig in and you're going to have to dig deep. And you're going to have to give it all you got. The road is not going to be smooth. It's going to take concentration. It's going to take effort. The second man we see Jesus called to him and said, Follow me. There in first, verse 59. So it appears that this man, Jesus calls out and says, Follow me. This man had a good reason, right? He said, let me go bury my father. There is some speculation into this man's intent. Was this man referring uh, to the idea that uh, his father may have still been alive and he wanted to go back and be with him? And when he did pass away, then he would follow Jesus? He wanted to take care of him first? And then follow? Or was this man just putting the whole thing off and ready and really had no intention of following Jesus and was just projecting a reasonable excuse to give him time to get out of an immediate situation? In this incident, Jesus was showing the man that there is no such thing as a reasonable excuse for delaying obedience to God. Do not delay obedience to God. Does this mean that we do not take care of the elderly? Caring for your family is taking number one priority over following Jesus. Then that is when there's a problem. I believe that we have a responsibility to take care of those who are older but we have to make Jesus first and then we will have the right attitudes and goals as we take care of those who are older so the takeaway is that we follow Jesus first and we still probably will have the privilege of caring for those who are older. When God calls, we are to follow him wholeheartedly without any distraction, without any delay, and even family obligations need to take a back seat to the purpose of God's kingdom. The third man appears to have said he will follow, but I need to take care of something at home first. Is that wrong? Devotion to others, even those dearest to us, must come second to our devotion to God. In the New Testament, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and doesn't disregard his own father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister, yes, and even his own life. Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. And then Jesus goes and gives us the example of the plow found in verse 62 and jesus said unto him no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of god it makes sense that jesus would use a farming a farming analogy as that was their way of life it was something that they could connect with it's something that i can connect with something i can relate with when jesus was at the shore in the fishing fishing villages he used stories that pertain to fishing and people could relate with it his audience here could relate with this analogy and i'm glad that he used this analogy So if we put our hand to the plow and are looking back, Jesus says, we are not fit for the kingdom of heaven. We're not fit for his service. We are distracted. We are self-absorbed. You want to be fit for the kingdom of heaven? is that your desire this morning i hope it is it's my desire first let's look at the kingdom of heaven obviously this is referring to the two kingdom concept of god's kingdom the kingdom of light and then we have the contrast of satan's kingdom the kingdom of darkness you cannot be in both kingdoms you're either in one or the other. If you want to be involved in God's kingdom, you will have to put your hand to the plow. And you will have work to do. And there will be enough work for everyone to do. Someone who is not intent on what they are doing and where they are going. For the service of the kingdom of God is not fit for service in his kingdom, plain and simple. Now when plowing, you are taking dirt that may be hard, it may be wet, it may be weedy, and you are preparing it for something better. You have a focus, and that focus is a harvest of something, and that is why you were ploughing. Have you ever tried planting your garden without preparing the soil? There is different methods to preparing soil in this uh, Concept here. We're taking the soil and we're plowing it. We're basically turning it upside down and burying what's on top below and bringing the soil up uh, From the bottom up Um, Nowadays we talk about minimum minimum tillage and trying to disturb the (coughs) Excuse me the soil less and uh, I had the privilege of working for a farmer that did no-till slash strip-till and there we basically did our tillage in a little band or strip about six inches wide and uh, we plant right in that strip and uh, very um, it worked very well. Last year we had a very wet spring. And it required some work, uh, preparing the soil, airing the soil out. Even if it was a little wet, it seemed like you had to work it to dry it out. Have you ever tried planting seeds into a weedy patch of ground? Very simple, but it doesn't work. why do we make it so difficult sometimes jesus says you put your hand to the plow don't look back it takes concentration takes concentration to plow i've never had the privilege to plow with a plow like that but if you notice that that man there it looks like it's taken him some effort some concentration at running that plow. I would believe if you did that all day, you would be uh, exhausted. Um, If you did it long enough, you wouldn't be sore, but I'm sure for me, it'd be sore the first day. It takes work. If you are a farmer, you know the stakes are high for getting the plowing straight. Now, I've never plowed with gps but i had gps and gps gives you an advantage of steering your tractor while you can look back and your rows can be straighter than if you did it manually by hand but before i had gps I would sit in my seat in my tractor and there was a hood ornament on the front of the tractor and I would sit there and I would look straight through the windshield to the front of my hood line it up with my mark or whatever I was using for my guidance and it took full concentration Um, depending on how you would sit you would find out by the end of the day that you slouched to one side one side would be closer than the other side and so then you would have to remember sit straight keep your posture took concentration to get the rows straight you could not spend a lot of time looking back i know sometimes when we had a new field and we're getting it ready to because when we when we would establish our our fields the rows that we established would then become the rows for next year and so it was important for us to get them straight and to lay out the field in a way that those rows would have reason uh, I mean you, you try to minimize overlap you try to minimize uh, we were 16 rows you I mean it was a pain when you got to the end of the field. It was really neat if you could get to the end of the field and you had a full width of 16 rows. And some fields worked that way, but some didn't. You'd have 8 rows or you'd have 10 rows, and and then maybe there'd be point rows They would kind of come in. That's where being straight was important. Here, we're talking about plowing. And... putting your hand to the plow and not being tempted to look back and think about how life was easier before you started plowing now children i have a story to tell you i'm kind of gonna do a little bit like pete does put a children's story in the middle of this this is a true story this is a story that happened to me I was going to double-check it, but I think I'm right on my my date. I think I would have been about 14 years old. Um, 1993, um, on our farm, we have a 20-acre field that is on the north side of our river, our creek that runs through our farm. There's a field on the north side, and we got to cross over a bridge to farm that field. Well, that year, in 1993, they decided to put a new bridge in. So most of that year, there was no bridge. And so what was an easy drive to that field across the bridge and to do all our work now became a little harder, and we had to drive about four miles all the way around the block to get to that field. So all summer, all year, I think we... I think if I remember remember right, we planted the crop that way. I know we took care of the crop that way and we even harvested it and we even plowed it because what happened to me happened in the fall and happened when I was plowing. Um, And this happens to be related to plowing and it happens to be related to looking back. How coincidence is that? I went over to the field and... I plowed all day, I got done, and I'm on my way back. And on my way back from the plowing that field, all of a sudden, I had a four-bottom plow. can't remember, I think it was a John Deere four-bottom plow. But um the back wheel on that plow all of a sudden started wobbling. And I could feel it in the tractor, because the tractor now all of a sudden is... You know, jumping around, and and you're like, what's going on? And this thing really started, got uh, doing this wobble, 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 wobble. And I'm driving, and I turn back, and I look around, and I turn back, and you know what happened? If I can picture, if you can picture with me, turning back around, and you're looking out the frame of your tractor window. And you got your front of your tractor, your hood. Picture with me, this is this is what I remember. That the hood, if you divide the windshield in half, here's ditch, here's road. And what do you do? (coughs) Just like that. I was in a ditch so fast, I had no time what to think, what to say, what to do. I obviously I reacted, I did something because I got the tractor stopped, and uh, there's a torque lever on the one side, there's a throttle on the other side, and I grabbed those levers, and I yanked both back, and I yanked them back so fast and so hard that there's little grips on them, I was literally holding the grips off the levers, I mean, I had literally pulled them off, and my two feet, one hit the clutch and one hit the brake, just like that, and the tractor stopped. The tractor did not roll, but the tractor stopped. And you know what was in front of that tractor? Only inches from the front of that tractor was a big oak tree. If God's angels, I know God's angels were watching and protecting me. Because it was nothing in my doing. I mean, yeah, I could say I was fast, I reacted, I did the right thing. But that ditch was steep. I could have flipped the tractor. Uh, Obviously, when the tractor went into the ditch, the plow dropped in and i Made a nice big gouge in the ditch. So we actually did a little bit of moldboard plowing on the bank of the road. But there was an example of what happens when you look back. And you lose focus. And you get sidetracked. And you get distracted. Things happen. I could have got hurt. Oak trees are not very forgiving. They're hard. I'm glad I didn't have to experience that and of course after it all you sit there and you you absorb it all in and and you're like wow what happened and then you start looking around like did anybody see me I don't think anybody saw me but I had to drive out into the neighbor's field and drive up about 100 feet to the driveway and drive back on the road and continue on home um so anyway that's a little story to illustrate for you children of what happens when you look back and you lose focus Arnie in his uh message had a paraphrase of this verse and it went something like this I don't know if I have it word for word but this this is how I remember it he who puts his hand on the steering wheel and continues to look in the rear view mirror will not end up at his destination. If you remember, in the school bus, there's a big mirror that the bus drivers can look into to mainly see if the children are behaving. We all know what the outcome would be if those bus drivers would spend too much time in that rear view mirror. How much time do they spend in that rearview mirror? That was a question I thought of. Obviously it's not 50%. Obviously it's not even 20%. I hope it's not 20%. Could it be 5%? Could it be 1%? I don't know. But there's a reason. Uh, You have mirrors so you can look, but yet your eyes, you didn't have to look back. And it's a little easier to keep your concentration. We give up all hold on earthly comforts and securities, including the comfort and security of where we live. We place God before even family obligations, meaning when choices come between obeying God's directives and word or taking care of family issues, God takes precedence. precedence can't even can't even talk we focus on where we're going in service to god and keep our attention on the tasks at hand putting our hand to the plow is a lifetime commitment of complete and unconditional surrender to the purpose and will of God. Consider with me another example that we have in the Bible of looking back. In Luke 17:32 there's a verse, it's three words, and it goes like this, it says remember Lot's wife. And we know the we know the example that that happened that we know the the account the story of of how that all happened lot was in sodom they were told to leave and to go to the mountains lot or uh yeah lots wife um must have still had some strings attached and a desire to be back and look back and there was instant um Punishment for her disobedience. How serious shall it be if we look back? Do we wish for the life that we once had, the pleasures that we would have enjoyed? And you could add to that. Or do we look back at our past failures? Or maybe it's our accomplishments and we feel somewhat prideful in that. I did good. I can relate with looking back. When Christy and I were in Rochester at Mayo, Christy was going through a transplant. We would sometimes make the comment, we can't wait to get home and get life back to normal. Now, I don't believe that was all wrong, but there still was an element of looking forward to getting home and maybe getting back to life the way it should be or was or or could be. You know what all happened? Is life normal? Is life back to normal? We came back just in time to see this COVID-19 staring us in the face. And is life normal? I've... I guess this message has challenged me in the fact that, you know, there's there's things to reflect there's good things to remember but you got to keep moving ahead and whatever um whatever life gives you whatever god gives you you take it and you keep going and that's one thing that i will say that really really amazes me in this whole in our whole life's experience uh christie and i is how god's timing has been just amazing and uh Basically, I'm just going to frame it in a nutshell, about a year ago in May, uh, Memorial Day weekend is when Declan broke his arm, and that's when life seemed to have spun a twist for us. All of a sudden, we are running to Gunnarsson and the Cross for fixing a broken arm, to surgeries, to uh, follow-ups, and then uh, it was right in the middle of that, Christy started having... Uh, her thing, and it just seemed like from there it just been boom, 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 and uh, but you know through it all uh, the timing is just amazing. I mean, if we would have been a month later with uh, Christie's transplant, would have would have they've done it with this whole COVID 19? I don't know, but we got it done. It was about three days after we were just about ready to leave that this whole thing started changing and we got out of there. Question sometimes begs to ask, will life ever be normal again? I don't know. I hope it is. I hope it will be. But what is normal? We have to change our focus Put our hand to the plow. No matter if life is normal or not. We have a work to do. If we all heed the call of Jesus. And are following him. We will be moving ahead. With concentration. To that mark. That is set. Before us. That heavenly kingdom. That prize. That we all are striving for. When believers trust Jesus Christ as the Savior, they put their hand to the plow. The idea is for us to follow the Lord in absolute obedience, always keeping our eyes focused on him. And that's how we will reap a harvest of faith. Discouraged believers oftentimes plow a crooked grow because they looking because they're looking over their shoulder to dwell on past regrets or they're peering around to see what pleasures await their field of faith looks like a disorganized mess moreover distractions slow them down with the result that spiritual growth is sluggish, if they mature at all. If you look on into Luke 10, continue on from where we have our text here today in Luke 10, it talks about a harvest that is ready, but there are few labors. And I guess I can't help but think that right now, through this pandemic of... COVID 19, how there is a harvest that is ripe. What are we doing? Are we putting our hand to the plow? I was challenged by a story of a man who had got the virus, COVID 19. He was an older man, and I believe he was a pastor, but he was admitted to the hospital. And as he was there at the hospital, he would read his Bible out loud. In between coughing and trying to get his breath and breathing, he was concentrated on God's kingdom and reading his word. It is said that the nurses, because of exhaustion, that they were under extreme load of of care for everybody, that they would find it uplifting and fulfilling to be where this old man was and they would hear him reading the Bible verses from the Bible and they would look forward to it and it gave them hope it gave them strength that they needed it gave them calmness and it was only a couple of days later that man died talk about putting your hand to the plow and not stopping Till your last breath i trust this has been an encouraging talk one that encourages you to put your hand to the plow with concentration that you will do the will of god in his kingdom forget about ourselves My problems, your problems, they become pale in the light of God's work. A good farmer doesn't look back once he puts his hand to the plow. Jesus used this analogy to teach us that if we are to be his disciples, we must make a complete break with all loyalties that hinder our relationship with him. Total allegiance to God is a principle that is rooted in the Old Testament. The Israelites, the children of Israel, when they were freed from the slavery of Egypt and were going through their uh, desert experience, began to long and remember the days that they enjoyed fish and cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlics of Egypt in Numbers 11, 5 and 6 you can find that God was greatly displeased and he judged those people for that and they're looking back and lack of commitment to him today people who cling to old sins and have a worldly pleasure they enjoy being enjoy becoming Christians cannot be loyal disciples of Jesus we need to repent and believe in him and we become citizens of a new kingdom. And we break. With the sins of the past. Discipleship means. No looking back. Closing I want to tell a little story. Of a boy that related this. Uh, example of a plowing. Plowing straight r- furrows. What <coughs> Plowing. A straight furrow was easy, I thought. I didn't need my father or grandfather telling me what to do. The first the first furrow plowed was the most important. It was to be straight, especially when you had acres of land to plow. Each time, back and forth, you had to put the right wheel of your tractor into that furrow. You had just plowed. This was your guide. If you got the first furrow straight, the whole field would end up straight and square. If you got the first furrow, the furrow crooked, every pass you made was then crooked. This resulted in more time and work at the end of the job trying to square what was crooked. Well, dad had this notion that you should never look back when plowing. You should pick out a spot such as a tree or a fence post at the other end of the field. Sometimes hundreds of yards away. And never take your eye off of it. Keep focus and look. But don't look back. I thought, how dumb. How are you going to know if you are plowing straight, if you don't look back, sometimes, to see how you're doing. Throwing Dad's advice out the window, I decided to do it my own way. Just once, looking back, I tried to make a straight furrow. Problem is, you can't steer very well looking back. You keep trying to jerk the wheel one way to the other to overcompensate. You can't straighten out something that's crooked. Ecclesiastes one fifteen. The words of Christ popped out at me as I read the Bible one day. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Dad's advice was from the Lord. Too many of us try to steer our lives looking back. We look back and blame our crookedness on our bad home life, our environment, our circumstances, our abuse, parents, teachers, church, or society. Rather than forgetting those things and going on, go forward. Jesus said, don't look back. Paul gave us an example. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians three thirteen and 14. I trust that this has been a challenge to you. It's been a challenge to me. And I want to do better at putting my hand to the plow and not looking back. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you for this time that we can come to you. Thank you for the lesson that you gave us, of the plow. Lord, I just pray that you would be with each one where they're at this morning. I just pray that you would suit a blessing to each need. You know each heart, you know each life, you know the struggles and the trials and everything that everyone is going through, Lord. I just pray that you would be very near to us through this time. Give us the strength that we need and the encouragement. Help us to put our hands to the plow and to be committed to you and your service in your kingdom that we would be labors for you and helping to uh, bring those in that are lost just go with us and ask your blessing on us in each one in jesus name amen